where we're going to go this morning. So if you've been with us the start of the year, we begin to fast and pray. And then we got into a part of scripture in Isaiah 58 that the scriptures say the Lord's desire is to rebuild the foundations of many generations. To rebuild them, not to tear them down. And so off of that, every one of us in here have some form of generational baggage that, that tries to keep us from walking in the things that God desires us to walk in. And so to highlight just a little bit of where we're going today, we begin to understand things within our, our natural genetics, or our DNA, that many times people say, well, you look like your mom, you look like your dad, but we also see personalities we understand, sometimes even with one size. We'll look and say, man, their kids are going to be big because their mom and dad are big. But there's another thing, too, also, that when we look at ourselves through the eyes of a doctor, a doctor many times, when you see him, will ask you, tell me your family's history. Why? Because we know the DNA. There's a lot of things that are passed along medically even from your family history. But we go a little farther today. I believe there's stuff that's handed down to us even spiritually. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Proverbs 26 verse 2. Like a flighting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. And so when you see the word curse, curse is a, a form of a sentence that, that is uh, in an area of destruction. That's, that's what one of the best definitions of a curse is. And if you'll notice, he said, a curse without a cause shall not alight. An undeserved curse will be powerless to harm you. It may flutter over you, but it will find no place to land. So we begin to see some things here immediately about this, this word called a, a curse. And so part of a curse is to sabotage your future, to literally sabotage your, your success. A, a curse is something that keeps you from walking in the blessings that God wants you to walk in. Now, turn with me back to your left a little bit to the book of Exodus, Genesis, then Exodus. And we go to Exodus chapter 20. As you go to Exodus 20, just remember this when you get into Exodus 20. This is where the Ten Commandments are written. So we're going to start in verse number 4. Exodus 20 verse 4. You shall not make for yourself the carved image of any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in under the water or under the sea. So he gets over on these images, whether it's a carved something out of wood, whether it's metal, whether it's some form of a statue. And, and if you'll notice, he gives all the descriptions of the areas we can go to and make these things an idol. Now, verse five, he says, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Now, this becomes a warning in all our lives. We're gonna bow to something or we're gonna serve something. And so when you look at what he's talking about, it's just not carved things. Actually, in Romans 1, the apostle Paul talked about that we can actually serve people, mankind, that they can be our gods. Some people worship Taylor Swift. Some people worship Patrick Mahomes. But again, he says, don't bow to them or serve them. And so not everything he's talking about is physical. There are some things that we can worship that aren't physical. Like what? Sexual immorality, lust, 
greed. These things become idols that I literally bow down and I serve. Now, let me highlight something again. I'm going to bow down and I'm going to serve something. And the thing I bow and serve to is what influences my life. Keep reading here. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, when he talks about here, I'm, I'm a jealous God. When we worship anything or anybody other than God, it arouses the jealousy of God. And when we talk about the, the jealousy of God, it's his righteousness. It's his love. It's his faithfulness. And the reason it says that God doesn't desire to share you with anything or anybody. And so that's what happens when we begin to see the scriptures in this area. When I don't give God my full attention and my full heart. Stay with me here, verse 5. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting. Many translations here will say punishing. Visiting or punishing the iniquities of the fathers upon the children. Now, when we hear the word iniquity here, we must understand the iniquity is a deep, entrenched motivation of my heart. And he says here that the iniquities of the fathers, now keep reading here with me, the iniquities of the fathers will be upon the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. So he's telling us something here that there is a, a generational iniquity that can be handed down. So when we talk about the word iniquity, it, in the Hebrew it has the meaning to bend or twist towards something. One of the best definitions is that like a tree. So we live in this part of the world where our winds are predominantly out of the southwest. So year after year, the wind begins to push on that tree. And that tree begins to bend like this over and over. That's what he's talking about with a generational iniquity. And note what he said. It's handed down to the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. So I believe personally every one of us in here have some form of generational stuff that's handed down here to us. But if you'll note here, he says to those who hate me. One of the best definitions of that is those who rebel against me. Verse 6. But showing mercy to the thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so the, the iniquity is programmed for four generations to those who rebel against God. But now we see something different here. That we see that the blessing of mercy and righteousness to the thousands. To who? To those who love God. And the way my love is shown to God is the way I obey God. So you know what God's telling us? He said, I'm, I'm just needing people that will not just only love me, but they'll obey me. And, and notice he says, the, the mercy to, to a thousands. So when I read this here, this is the impact of future generations. The influence that can be on his or her offspring is what this is talking about. And it is a, a warning that the spiritual impact of decisions made and actions taken, they do transmit to successive generations is what this is talking about. Uh, spiritual genetics. 
Actually, one translation says we inherit a propensity to a certain bondage. So this is the result of the iniquity. But I jump back to verse 6. And you see here, he wants to bless. And so the, the opposite can take effect in Christ's blessings to future generations. And it is assured to those who love him and those who obey him. So it's big that we begin to understand that there is some spiritual genetics that begin to take place. And it'll either be a curse or a blessing. Now you go over to the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter uh, 26. Leviticus 26. This is something that I, I believe... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus 20. I believe that's something that really, really needs to be taught on. And so you understand that a curse can't come without a cause. Well, you know what the cause is? It's when we as mankind begin to rebel against what God's asked us to do. And so we open the door to things that we probably don't want in our life. Now, pay close attention here in Genesis or Leviticus 26. I begin in verse 39. And those of you who are left shall waste away. Several translations for the word waste away actually say they will rot away. They will rot away in what? In their iniquity in your enemy's lands. Now notice he said they'll rot away in their iniquities. My my iniquities. The things that I've opened the door to. Keep reading in in verse 39. Watch this. And the Bible is so clear. Also in their father's iniquities. Also in their father's iniquities. So we got issues here. I have iniquities. But there's issues that come upon me of my father's issue. uh, My father's iniquities. These things have been handed down. So keep reading here what he says which are with them, they shall waste or rot away. Now, in my Bible, I I highlighted in orange. They are with them. Now, go back to what he said. The Father's iniquities are with them. They're with me and you. So, just for a minute, I, I want you to think about something. Have you ever seen patterns of of sin or rebellion that is coming down through your your bloodline have you seen patterns of in my life it was alcohol and i i've seen where where many many men wouldn't serve god throughout their bloodline there was no trace of men serving god i've seen in women's bloodline where a, a, a woman was very religious and i begin to look that begins to trickle down So he says here that these iniquities are with them. They're with us. So what do we do? Well, watch how the Bible will just just plain and simple instruct us. Verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity, you know what that means? I must take responsible for my iniquity. The motivations of my heart. And he said, if they will confess their iniquity 
and the iniquity of their fathers. So what he's telling us right here is, and you're going to hear me say this several times this morning, that the Lord wants us to come clean. Where we step up to the plate and I say, Father God, I confess my iniquity and I confess the iniquity of my fathers. These are the things that are handed down. Some people will ask me this. Am I responsible for my father's sins? No, we're not responsible for anybody's sins but our own. But what happens when we talk about these generational iniquities, these motivation of the heart, they've never been confessed. And if they've never been confessed, then they've never been forgiven. And so this is part of my spiritual DNA that comes down. So God's saying, I'm, I'm needing you to confess your iniquities and the iniquities of the fathers. Keep reading. With their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, and they have also walked contrary or in hostility to me, verse 41, and that I've also walked contrary or hostility to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. Now listen to what he tells us. If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt. Do you know God wants to, he wants to circumcise every one of our hearts? Remember, one of the definitions of an iniquity is the motivation of my heart. And he says to humble it. Do you know what humbling is? It's to go before Father God and say, I've rebelled in this area. I, I, take, I take full responsibility of these things in my life that are going on and on and on. And so again, he's talking about there's becomes hostility in my life because I've never taken the responsibility. So he goes on to say, if their uncircumcised hearts are humble and they accept their, their guilt, then I will remember my covenant. Now, when we're talking about a covenant, it's one of the strongest words in the Old Testament, actually in the entire Bible. But God is not a covenant breaker. So if God's not the covenant breaker, who's the covenant breaker? We are. Because we've rebelled against what God's asked us to do. So guess what God's telling us right here? God wants to come back in covenant with us. God wants the blessings to come upon us. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. We're in Leviticus. You'll go to Numbers and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30. Now, it's pretty easy to begin to connect the dots here. When you begin to see scripture, how God begins to move in this area. And so in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I, I start in verse 1. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. Now listen to what he just said. The blessing and the curse. I'm going to walk in one or the other. And, and if you'll notice, he said, the blessing or the curse which I have set before you. So when I read this, it's, it's almost like God has this table set. And he says, I allow you as a human being, you choose. You choose at the table you want to dine at. Do you want to dine at the table of the blessing? Or do you want to dine at the table of the, the curse? Now if you really want to study this, just go back to Deuteronomy 28. Verses 1 through 14 highlight the blessings. Verse 15 through 63 highlight the curse. I'm telling you, if you will read that chapter, you'll get real quick say, Lord, I want to dine at the table of the blessing. 
I don't want to dine at the table of the curse. So he said, I set before you here, blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and I, I called them the mind. I called them to return to your heart among all the nations where the Lord God drives you. Verse two, and you return to the Lord your God. And so God right here, he gives us an invitation and he says, return to me. How do I return to God? Well, if I've never given my heart to Jesus, the first thing I gotta do is get born again. The second thing is, the only thing that separates us from God is when I get over into sin, but I never repent or, or confess it. So right here, he gives me and you the opportunity. He says, return to me. Return to the Lord your God. How does that look that I, I return to God and I obey his voice? I need a grace to obey his voice. I don't know about you, I, I wanna obey God. I obey his voice according to, listen to this, all that I command you today, and you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. He doesn't want us to pick and choose what we obey. He wants us to obey every area of our life, but if you'll notice in the last part of verse two, he highlights your children in there. Why would he highlight your children in there? Because something happens that when we begin to obey God, our spiritual gen genetics, it's handed down to our children. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have to uh, not make any choices for their life. But if you'll notice in here, something is, is handed to them right here. With all your heart, with all your soul, even toward your children. Verse six. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Now he doesn't want to just circumcise my heart. He wants to circumcise our descendants, which are our children and our grandchildren. And if you live long enough, your great-grandchildren and maybe great-great-grandchildren. So what we see here is God is a generational God. And if you want to study that biblically, remember he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of, of Joseph, Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, when you go back and just look. So I want to circumcise the hearts and the heart of your descendants. Why? To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. You may live under the blessing. You may live under the things that God has for us. Same chapter, verse 14. Now, if you're a note taker, get, really, get, get your pen out, get ready, because this is really enlightening here. But the word is very near you in your mouth and your heart that you may do it. So the Lord instructs us here, we've got to become students of the word of God. And he said, you got to get the word of God in your mouth and in your heart. And ultimately, that you may obey it, that you may do it. Now, you know what? You can know the word of God all you want. You can quote scripture day by day by day, but it does me no good until I begin to obey it. I begin to do it. And so the first thing he gets over to him, he says, you got to get in the word. The word's got to be priority in your life. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today, not tomorrow. And when he see today, the Lord's telling me, don't procrastinate, Okay. I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. So it's like the Lord saying, 
I got this smorgasbord here and you get to choose. Do you want life and good or death and evil? Verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. How? To walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgment, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. So if you'll go, and look what he just said there. When I begin to obey the word of God, when I obey God, the blessing is released. That's exactly what he said. And, and, and I don't view obeying God as punishment. Man, I, I take delight in obeying God. It's like, man, it's like pleasing your earthly father when you do good. There's a blessing that's attached to it. And so this is what he's telling us right here. Grace me, Father God, to obey you quickly and quietly. So we keep reading here, verse 17. But if, those aren't good words. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Now we get back into Exodus 20 where we were earlier. And he says, you bow to them and serve them. What begins to happen is they pull your heart away from the things of God. Remember, he's a jealous God. God doesn't want, he doesn't want to share even the, the, the smallest bit of your heart. He wants all of our heart. And, and notice here what he said, if your heart turns away, we realize that's a possibility. That's the enemy. He wants your heart to turn away from God. Keep reading. Verse 18. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. Now 19 is very critical to get this, okay? I call heaven and earth as witnesses today. Now when you see this here that I call heaven and earth today, heaven and earth become witnesses of the choices you make. They become witnesses of the blessing or the curse. So he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. He highlights again, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Life goes with blessing, death goes with cursing. And he tells us again, here's your choices. There's only two choices. And God wants to help us, so in verse 19, look what he says. Therefore, choose life. God says, if you're not smart enough to figure it out, let me help you. Choose life. It's like a multiple choice test. You either choose life and blessing or death and curse. And God says, I want to help you pass the test. Choose life. Choose life. Close attention. End of verse 19. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I want to highlight what he said. Both you and your descendants would live. So what you see right here, whether you like this or not, your choices have the potential to influence your children. 
And this becomes very clear how powerful your behaviors and your, your, your choices impact your kids. And so the Lord's saying, I want to bless you, but it's tied to obedience so that you and your descendants may live. Now, the only opposite of that is you're going to live a death-like existence. If you don't want to obey God, that's, that's okay. But you got to realize there's consequences for obeying and there's consequences for disobeying. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him. Now, when I read this, remember in verse 19, he says that your, your choices will impact or influence your children. When you choose life, like he said, I, I believe this is what begins to hand down, that there'll be a love for your kids, that they may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. He is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Now look how he ends. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. So right there he begins to highlight this is the generational blessing that goes from generation to generation to generations to those who love me and those who obey me. This is powerful. So when I read this, I jump back to what we talked about to start there in Isaiah 58. He said, I want to rebuild the foundations of many generations. And so no matter what's been handed to you, realize this, that when I, I choose to obey God and live for God, I'm setting something in motion for my life, but also my children, my grandchildren. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I'm going to give you three key points that you've got to get this today. I believe one of the first things that we've got to get is you gotta recognize patterns in your, your life and your bloodline. And it's, it's pretty easy, I believe, that we begin to look and you look and say, well, my dad and even my mom, I, I saw these, these negative traits in their life. And you go back and you look possibly at your grandparents, possibly at great-grandparents. So you begin to recognize I, I got issues. So in, in my life, I'm going to highlight again. I begin to recognize a pattern of alcohol that began to trickle through my bloodline. And what happens with these generational curses? They get stronger from generation to generation. And so when I say recognize them, I believe personally the Lord's saying, I, I want you to recognize them, I want you to acknowledge them, and I want you to put them on the table. That means I'm going to come clean. So there was a time in my life that when I really begin to walk out these things, man, anything in my bloodline that I, I even a little bit saw that I thought, that's not God. That's not God. Not only did I recognize, I put it on the table. I put alcohol on the table. I put the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh. I'm, I'm telling you, when, when I begin to repent, there was a time that I was in a situation and the Lord said, I want you to repent of all these. I want you to confess them. It would probably take me several minutes to share some of the stuff that began to come out of my mouth. The Lord would move on the inside of me. And I mean, stuff would roll out of me. And, and if you heard some of the stuff, you'd look and think, oh my gosh. Was his bloodline that bad? It was. You know Why? Because that's what sinners do. And we sin and we sin and we sin and we sin. So the first thing, 
You recognize that. That may be you get before God and you begin to write them down and you go before God like you're coming to the altar and you say, Father God, this is the sins of my life and this is the iniquities even of my father's life. What's the second thing? Turn with me to Matthew chapter six. This will be the last passage I go to. Matthew chapter six. And this, this is powerful, okay? Matthew six, verse 14 and 15. Notice this is red letter words in my Bible. This is the Lord Jesus. And listen to what he says. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive them your trespasses. So what do I got to do? I go back generationally. And I say, Father God, I forgive the choices of my dad, my great-granddad, or my granddad, my great-grandfather. I forgive them. I, I forgive them for anything they've done, anything they've said. And, and so when you begin to look at what he's talking about, this becomes the way I, I become free. And, and if you notice in, in, in here that your family members before you, they operated in probably the same things you're operating in. Doesn't mean they were bad. It was handed down to them. And so they were following the footsteps of the previous generations. So I like to call it like a river or a stream. You just get caught up in that. And before long, remember the, the iniquity, you bend toward that even without even noticing at times. I'm bending toward that. I'm bending because that is the spiritual genetics within me. But he says, forgive them. And so if I don't forgive them, God said, I, I can't forgive you. But when I forgive them, I am extending the same grace I desire from God. And so I, I ask God, Father God, help me. Help me in this other. And this, this needs to become a prayer of any one of us. And I say this quite often to the Lord. Lord, help me to love like you love. Lord, grace me to grace like you grace. Mercy me to mercy like you mercy. And you can even throw this one in there. Father God, help me to forgive like you forgive. And so, man, I would go before the Lord. And I said, Father God, I forgive. I forgive my father. I forgive him. Because when I don't, if I don't forgive them, I'll blame them. And I begin to blame. And I said, well, if, if my dad wouldn't have done this and this and this and this, then I wouldn't be where I'm at. So how, what literally begins to happen, I live like a victim. And it's easier to blame them for in, instead of me stepping up to the plate and saying, okay, Father God. And so it's part of softening my heart. Father God, I forgive them. I forgive them. The third one you got to get is repent. Regardless of how you were wrongly influenced. And so when I talk about repenting, we're all responsible for our choices, our actions, and, and even our behaviors. So when we talk about confess and repent, there's a difference, okay? Okay. The word confess means when you confess your sins, 
you are agreeing with heaven's evaluation of my sin. I'm agreeing, Father God, I've sinned. I'm agreeing with you. So again, I, I call sin what it is. I don't try to sugarcoat, I call it what it is. But when I get over to the word repent, that actually means I am adopting heaven's perspectives on my sin. So even right here as Christ forgave you, you must also. And so forgive. Forgive comes from the Greek word grace. So Lord, I ask you to grace me to forgive and I ask you to grace me to repent. This is the only way I found out biblically where these things begin to suffer. And so there's days, guys, I'll go before the Lord, I'll get on my knees and I begin to repent. I begin to confess. And I'd say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me. Now remember the blood of Jesus. He cleanses us. The blood of Jesus says forgiveness. And so part of this, I believe, is huge for everyone to start saying, Lord, I, I welcome the blood. I welcome the blood for my life. And I welcome the blood of, of my family bloodline. Does that mean your family's gonna be perfect? No, it doesn't. Let, let me just share this here just for a minute. I said a few weeks ago that I never dreamed where that first drink would take place at 12 years old. That was the first time I'd had put alcohol in me. And it, it started out small and it kept growing and kept growing. And then I began to hear the teaching on this and, and I realized what was taking place. And so in my life, I had to shut the door to that. And I said, Father God, I, I don't want that to transmit to my children. But the Bible's very clear in Ephesians 4. It says, don't give place to the devil. So when you hand off a generational blessing to your children, they still have to walk out the things of God. It, it breaks my heart that some of what I had to deal with tried to come after my own son. And he battled it and battled it and my wife shared this yesterday at the women or at the marriage retreat that he had posted two or three nights ago this picture. And it said he had been 500 days without any alcohol. And man, we shouted. We were, I was so blessed. I was so blessed. And so just like in my life, I had to begin to take responsibility for that. He's having to do that too. He's having to walk that out. And you're going to have to walk those things out. But you begin to go back and you look where all we've been today. The curse can't come without a reason. You know what the reason is? Is when I rebel and get over into sin. Then I open the door to things that I don't want to open the door to. So I'm going to have you stand up here with me. You know what? I'm, I'm going to ask you to keep coming these next few weeks. Because I'm going to get into this more and more. And I'm going to show you biblically how things begin to tr transpire. I ask you right there where you're at just to bow your head today. And only you know your heart with God right now. But remember, he gave the invitation to return. That could be through salvation. Maybe you've never received Jesus or maybe you... You say, I, I, I need to rededicate. I need to come home. I need to return. I realize I'm going in the wrong direction. 
You know, if that's any one of you in here right now, you're watching by live stream, make a stand. Move out of your seat and come toward the altar and say, that's me, man. I want to return to God. That's a good thing. Got one already coming. Praise the Lord, too. We don't want to forget you if you're watching by live stream. I think it's important for every one of us at times to reaffirm our salvation to say, Father God, I I just have a desire to to know you in my heart. So both of you men down here and everybody else in here, if you're watching by live stream, come on, let's let's just do this. Let's just stand before Father God right now and say, Father God, we stand before you broken, sinners, Lord, you you gave the invitation, return. And so today, Father God, we we ask that the Lord Jesus would be Lord of our lives, that you would would not only save us, Lord, but you would come alive within me. You would stir within my heart a kingdom passion. And Lord, not only salvation, but you would grace us to live for you. And so right now, every one of us in here, We confess you as Lord, Jesus, and we thank you for saving us. And we give you glory. And then remember what he said. Woo, humble yourself with that uncircumcised heart. So we pray that in here right now for everyone. Father God, I, I welcome the circumcision, the cutting off of anything in my heart that's not a you. And Lord, we pray that right here at these altars, we pray that on live strength. That God is a God that if you'll humble yourself, he's gonna gonna circumcise your heart. But you've gotta give him the invitation. Lord, I welcome you again. Cut off the, 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 the ugly motivations of my heart. We keep navigating through everything that he said. What would happen today if we just came before the Lord and say, Lord, I I recognize generational iniquities in my family bloodline. I, I recognize patterns in my life. And you're like me. You've probably seen them. You probably look. I mean, I, I had one just recently made the comment that the bloodline had had six and seven different divorces in him just over and over and over. And I said, that's generational. That's generational. And I'm not throwing a stone because we all have some form of that within us. And so right there where you're at, I, I, I welcome you to begin to speak to Father God and say, Father God, I, I recognize the patterns, whether that's alcohol, whether that's sexual sin, whether that's anger, whatever these generational things that have come down, we recognize them. And right now, Lord, we put them on the table before you. And today, Lord, from our hearts, we forgive the sins of our our fathers and mothers. We forgive the sins of our grandparents. We we forgive the sins of our great-grandparents. And Lord, we ask you to do a work in our hearts right now. Do a work in every heart in here. You know, you may be here, you may be watching. 
there was something a father or mother did to you that, that scarred your heart. There's times you said, I, I, I won't forgive them. I can't forgive them. But remember what the Lord said in Matthew 6. He said, if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. So because of my choice not to forgive, everything's put on hold. And it's like God saying today, the, the, the ball's in your court. You, you want to forgive them. And so, Father God, right now, grace us. And I'm not saying they didn't hurt us. I'm not saying they, they didn't wrong you. They wronged Jesus, but he still forgave them. So Lord, help us right now to walk this out. And Lord, we confess sin. We agree with heaven that we've sinned in areas. And Lord, the sins of our life right now, we take full responsibility and we repent of them. We repent of them. We ask you to cleanse us of our sin. We ask you to cleanse our bloodline right now. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your blood. We thank you for what you're doing right here. Oh, Lord, just these last few seconds here, Father God, we pray right now that you are raising up men and women right here, Lord, that are becoming the, the, the generational blessing. And Lord, in order to do that, we live for you, we obey you, we take delight in that, Father God. So do a work in our hearts that, that we love to obey you quickly and quietly, Father God. We ask you to move in, in our areas of our life in these. And Lord, thank you right now that every one of us in here that, that have family members, children, grandchildren, Lord, we pray blessings on them right now. The blessings of the Lord on them, Father God. We ask that you would grace them and you would strengthen them today. And we give you glory for all this in Jesus' name. And everybody greets it. Amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord here. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Well, you can be seated.